You're listening to the winning literary show, Off the Shelf Books Talk Radio, live with host Denise Turney, author of the books Long Walk Up, Portia, Love More Over Me, Spiral, Love Has Many Faces, and Rosetta's Great Hope. Turn up your dial and get ready for a blast of feature author interviews, 411 on book festivals, writing conferences, and so much more. Ready? Let's go. Don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. And that quote is from Roy T. Bennett. Again, don't be pushed around by the fears in your mind. Be led by the dreams in your heart. Roy T. Bennett. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our loyal listeners. Thank you. I got to start with a thank you because we're going on 17 years doing off the shelf. If this is your first time tuning in, Thank you for stopping by today, and you are listening to the Winning Book Podcast off the shelf. Welcome to this. You guys, we're in the middle of September. It's coming up. I'm seeing stuff in the stores already for autumn, and and pretty soon you're going to see Thanksgiving and Christmas. I think I even started seeing some Christmas stuff. We are coming down a home stretch of the year. So going back to, to today's quote, if whatever you said in January when you were pumped up and ready to go into 2022 and get things done, how much of it have you achieved or have you let fear stall you and tell you why it won't work? But don't give in to that. Be led by the dreams in your heart. So I encourage you to do that today. Before we introduce you to today's awesome guest, I just have to ask you again, you know, I, I said this last week, real life, it it really offers deeper, more complex mysteries than any movies and even even books. But that's not to say that books can't tell real life mysteries, things that actually happen in real life, but you put it in a fictional format that that it, they can't tell these stories in a powerful way. And in fact, escaping toward freedom is such a mystery in a suspense book, suspense book that pulls this off. So Clarissa is a major character in Escaping Toward Freedom, and she's a writer who's vacationing in North Georgia mountains, which are beautiful and quiet in that area. And she's trying to stir up her creative juices to get, get going so she can write this next novel, which she hopes will turn out to be a New York Times and an Essence bestseller like her last novel. She isn't at her cabin. She stayed at this cabin before when she wrote her last New York Times and Essence bestseller, so she's thinking this is the spot to be in, right, to do to create another great novel. She's not there two days when she spots what looks like a girl hiding by her cabin. When she invites this little girl into her cabin that she's renting, it changes her whole life. It changes everything and the pace of her life. And there is a mystery suspense that's based on real unfortunate real-life events that happen to people in Escaping Toward Freedom. If you love mysteries and suspense, something that keeps you turning the pages, wondering what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, I encourage you to get a copy of Escaping Toward Freedom. You can get it in ebook paperback and hardback. If you don't see it on the shelves, just ask the clerk so you want to get a copy of Escaping Toward Freedom by Denise Turney. Please go treat yourself to a copy of Escaping Toward Freedom today. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest. And this morning's guest, and I just learned from every guest we have on the show, this morning's guest is Christine Closure. I hope I said her name right, and if I didn't, I hope she corrects me. Christine is the founder of Get Your Book Done, 
and she's lived in Los Angeles, San Diego. She's been around Hartford, Connecticut, and she started her first business, which is a company in the fitness industry in 1991 while she was living in Los Angeles. Since 1991, she founded a a business that facilitated transformational women's retreats and the Network for Empowering Women Entrepreneurs, a business she started in 2000. She published her first book, Inspiration to Realization, in 2004, and around that same time she published her husband's book, Stepping Up to the Plate. It was this book publishing experience that led Christine into her current business and leadership endeavors, doing the work to help others find, express, and share their voice. So please keep listening to today's Off the Shelf as we connect with Miss Christine and explore these and other topics on Off the Shelf. And I, I really encourage you to check Christine out online at getyourbookdone.com, and it's spelled just the way it sounds, G-E-T-Y-O-U-R-B-O-O-K-D-O-N-E.com. Getyourbookdone.com. We are honored to have Christine Closer join us on Off the Shelf this morning. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Christine. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. And we're happy to have you. You know what? You are. We we've had, of course, authors, poets, songwriters. We've had business owners. We've had people who produce movies on Off the Shelf. But it's rare we have somebody on who not only writes books themselves, but will help others to write and publish uh, their books as well. So you're in a you're in a rare crowd here on Off the Shelf this morning. The first few questions I'm going to ask you, Christine. I ask every guest. So I give our listeners a little backstory, and I guess before I start talking about their books and their works. So to kick off today's show, can you tell our listeners where you grew up and what life was like for you growing up? Oh, well, thank you for that question. I don't usually get asked that one, but I grew up in West Hartford, Connecticut. We moved there when I was three and a half years old from upstate New York, and my parents still, like, 50-plus years later, live in the house that I grew up in in West Hartford. And it was about as typical suburban life as you can imagine. The high school was down the street. I dated the high school football player. I was a major rat, competitive figure skater, you know, had two sisters who were into, you know, their endeavors. Um, you know, my dad was in sales. My mom was a school teacher at, in uh, teaching fourth grade. And it just it kind of was like your very average um, sort of place to grow up and I feel like, you know, environment to grow up in. Okay. As far as suburban I, I, average goes. <laughs> as far as suburban average went, goes. That's Okay. I think I visited Hartford once. Just just once. But um okay, so you're from Hartford but you traveled around a lot. So as a kid, what did you dream of being when you grew up? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Well, interestingly enough, my mother saved a lot of, you know, things from my childhood, and there's this one piece that she saved that I read just recently that I think I wrote when I was maybe in second grade, and I had said that I wanted to be a teacher. Oh. And it's interesting because I am a teacher. You know, at that time, I'm sure that I thought it looked like going to school and teaching like my mom taught, um, but I am a teacher. I'm a teacher for the thousands of people who, you know, we've coached to write books, um, but I wanted to teach when I was young, and that's what I'm doing, just in a different form than I thought it was then. You know what? And we've had other guests who've come on and said 
that something that they did really was tied to what they dreamed of being, but it was like you like you, the path was a little bit different so what what actually inspired you to pursue writing and book publishing? Hmm. Um, it wasn't really an inspiration that I got myself, to be honest with you. Um, I had always kind of thought that maybe I'd write a book someday, and I would jot down notes here and there. I you know, really thought maybe in the 90s I would write a book, but the true inspiration to actually do it came through my husband, as you mentioned earlier, right? He wrote the book Stepping Up to the Plate. But I was, we were sitting at a seminar. It was 2002. We were just a year into our marriage. And my husband gets this massive download while we're listening to, I think it was Mark Victor Hansen, you know, who sold a million and I don't even know how many million chickens for the soul books. But we were listening to him, and all of a sudden my husband's like, oh, I'm going to write a book. And I looked at him like, you are? Like, he's not really the kind who's ever said anything about that before. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to interview Major League Baseball players from all 30 Major League teams, not on, like, the technique of the sport, but on the mindset, like how do you succeed in a game of failure? What makes a good teammate? How do you overcome, you know, heckling and when you're experiencing a slump or any of this stuff? And in that moment, I said, great, honey. He didn't know a major league ball player or anyone who knew a major league ball player. So the chances of this book happening, I thought, were kind of slim to none. But I said to him, I said, well, you figure out how to do that, and I'll figure out how to publish it. And that was 2002. And he went out and interviewed over 300 Major League Baseball players from all 30 Major League teams, put these, you know, quotes of wisdom together into a book called Stepping Up to the Plate. And over the course of that time, I figured out how to publish books. At the same time, I was running my network for empowering women entrepreneurs in Los Angeles. And I had heard many women kind of, uh, you know, give voice to that they'd love to be a published author. No one was doing it seriously with all this kind of, it was like that someday dream, like so many authors said, someday. And finally, at one of, my, um, one of my workshops, I was hosting like a seminar for the day. I was like, hey, ladies, do any of you want to like pitch in some money and write a chapter and I'll publish a book for us called Inspiration to Realization and we could all say we're published authors? And they said, sure. And 39 other women in addition to myself wrote chapters in the very first book that came out just two weeks um, after my husband's book came out. And that's where it started. So it was kind of like my husband's inspiration that wow. I sort of followed the rab, you know, followed the M&M trail uh, and followed the breadcrumbs. And here I am, 18 years later. How, how did your husband play baseball and how was he able to secure – those interviews. I love his go get it, Miss. Well, did he play baseball? If not, how did how did he? How was he able to secure those interviews? It has always been a massive passion of his. In fact, he just completed coaching his last team. He started playing when he was maybe five years old, and at sixty, he just stopped coaching. So this has been a part of his life like forever. And um, he did play. He played through high school. He played in college. His claim to fame when he's out speaking about, you know, on the topic of his book, in his introduction it says, you know, um, when he pitched against Barry Bonds, who's like a major, like, home run slugger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pitched pitched against Barry Bonds when David was playing for um, Berkeley out in California. 
And he kept Barry Bonds to a double. Like, that's one of his claims of that. Like, Barry didn't hit a home run off my husband, David. So, okay. part of his life. So what he did, and this is like for anyone who wants to write a book, right? Like, you don't really know exactly what you're doing when you get started. I mean, you could follow a system like I've created that shows you, you know, everything, at least for writing nonfiction. But he just kind of thought about it. He's like, well, you know, I want to interview these players. What do I do? So he put together an email and sent it to everyone he knew, asking his entire community of friends, colleagues, you know, from high school through college, like, you know, all through who he knew in baseball, family members, said, does anyone know anyone associated with a major league team? And it turns out his brother, his very own brother, knew someone who was associated with a minor league team that was associated, I think, with the Braves or some, some whatever the team was. And so my husband talked to this guy that my, his brother connected him with the friend, of, you know, the friend. And David just asked, told him about the book, and asked if he could get a press pass to go down to spring training and interview some of the players on the major league team. Next thing I know, I am literally in the car driving my husband to LAX to catch a red eye to go to Florida to hop in a rental car and drive to spring training and, you know, God willing, he would have a press pass and he would get in an interview. And that very first day, he got 13 interviews. I think it was wow. just the Braves. Um, and he just leveraged that. The next day, he went to the next park and said, hey, I just interviewed the Braves yesterday, and I'd love to come in and interview some of your players for this book I'm working on. And it just snowballed. It took him like a year and a half because um, we lived in L.A., like he'd figure out which team haven't I gotten yet and are they going to come to play the Dodgers in L.A.? Are they going to be at the Anaheim Stadium? Are they going to be down at the San Diego Padres, you know, up in San Francisco? And he would just catch all the teams when they're coming in to play California teams. He would sit in press boxes to watch the games. He'd talk with Alex Rodriguez and, you know, some other really big names in baseball, and he did it. Go ahead. Go stepping up to the plate. What a great title because that's what he did. Wow, that's an inspirational story by in and of itself. Now, when I was researching for your interview, I was, I had, it was just, I, I love researching for the author interviews. But there was something about it your, in researching your your interview was, it was almost like you were searching for something, and you really, and you, you had the courage to try different things, and I really, really liked that, until you knew what to settle on, and then you, sometimes you move on from there. But I had to ask you this. You went to college. How did you yeah. know that working a traditional job wasn't for you? How did you know that this, this isn't the path for me? Oh, you know what? Um, I went to a small private Catholic college in Rhode Island called Providence College. And, you know, they always bring the banks and the insurance companies, you know, on campus to do on-campus interviews. And I went to one, I think I had two in one day, and I was in my pantyhose and my double-breasted, like, houndstooth little skirt suit. I still remember, like, black patent leather, like, kitten heel, closed toe pumps. And I just, I felt like I was doing an act, trying to pretend 
Like I could be excited about working for some bank or insurance company. And it was like, I knew it was a lie, but I didn't know anything else. Right. My dad was in sales for a, you know, um, for IBM, like a very standard traditional job. My mother, you know, she was a school teacher. My older sister was in college for business and she was going to go work for an insurance company. It's really all I knew. Um, but that night, I was at the local college bar with my girlfriend, Christine, and we were just talking over a pitcher of Miller Lite beer. I remember it so distinctly. And I was just saying to her, I'm like, I don't know that I can do this. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew that something about just that conservative life was not for me. It's for a lot of people. It's not for me. And I just turned to her and I said, like, you want to? Like, you want to go do something after college? Like, you want to get out of here? And that night, wow. we decided we were going to move to San Diego, 3,000 miles away. Neither one of us had ever been there. We just kind of looked at a map and thought, well, we both like the beach. Like, she lived on the beach in Connecticut. We're like, let's go live on the beach in California. Um, so we saved up a I got, I'll tell you. temp jobs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I really admire that about you, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, so we saved up a little bit of money. The only problem was neither one of us had a car um, at the time, so we got a third girlfriend, Edna, who also lived on the beach in Connecticut. Um, we got, you know, she was like, sure, I'll go, um, and she had a car. So one night, you know, early September, after we graduated, you know, in, in late May, early June, we hopped in a car and drove cross country. We had no place to live. Um, we didn't know anybody there. We did that summer visit San Diego for a couple days, and I remember like running around on this like grass down by part of the bay in San Diego on like Mission Bay, and just like jumping for joy and being like, oh, I want to live here. And through a number of interesting circumstances, one of which was almost having to live on a submarine because we were we had overstayed our stay in the local hostel that we were staying in, and we had met someone who owned a private submarine. He was like, well, you can live in my submarine. We didn't do that because we landed this apartment on Mission Bay, like right across the, like across the street and be on the beach. And from the beach we lived on, I could look across the bay and see that patch of green grass at the park where I had just like a month earlier been jumping up and down and skipping through the grass saying, I love this place. I want to live here. And, um, wow. you know, the, the journey went on from there. Yeah, I didn't you consciously, can't... consciously know it was just this calling. Like, I don't know what it is, but this, this, what my whole family is doing, what everyone around me is doing, is not what I could do. Yeah, you know, I I have to ask you, and then I want to, before we start talking about the book publishing, I want to talk a little bit about the Women's Empowerment Retreat. But do you think it was because you were so young? How, just for those those listeners who let fear, bills, uh, obligations, what others might expect them to do, to stop them from living, doing what they really want to do, how did you find the courage not to settle into this traditional job, not to do what you've seen be done in your own family before. How did you find the courage to just pull up, no job, never been here before, didn't even have a car, and follow you in a guidance and start doing what you really love and want to do? Where did you? Where do you think that courage came from? 
I honestly, to tell you, I, it didn't feel like courage. What it felt like was that I was not a fit in the life that I was living. Um, you know, I was, a, I was a middle child. I had older sister, younger sister. I was the one who would, you know, keep my mouth shut. I would always try to keep the peace. Anything that I wanted to say that I thought might rock the boat or, you know, raise a, a temper of a parent, I would just bite it down, kind of, you know, pull it all back inside and then just keep going on being the one that didn't rock the boat, that just kind of followed along the path. And, um, you know, I think in some ways probably held myself back. So when it came to graduating college, I think it was just this unconscious part of me that just thought, like, it's my turn. Like, I'm done biting my tongue. I'm done not rocking the boat. I'm done not fitting in a box. I'm done not just doing what I'm told to do because I'm told to do it. I'm just, I'm done. Um, and, I, and like I said, I think part of it was more unconscious than conscious. Um, and over the years, I began to see, you know, the courage that it took. Now, I had the blessing of being a competitive figure skater growing up and a dancer and, you know, like being out alone on the ice, being judged, you know, maybe falling on my butt sometimes in the middle of a competition and having to get up and continue performing, continuing having those judges watch and grade my performance. I feel like that experience really just helped me become the kind of person who could be out in front of people, fall on my butt, and just get up and keep going. Um, I think that it ingrained in me, you know, somehow. And certainly throughout my life, I have fallen on my butt many times, not literally, but figuratively. And I've never stayed down. You know, I've just always known that I can just get up and keep going. So I think it was a combination of several things that, you know, made it possible for me to go out and start, you know, my journey, which, you know, you know up, so down, that... and out, it was not a cakewalk by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, every step and, got and, me further to where. Yeah, and you keep going. Yeah. I, I, it is rare that I have met a person who really walked full steam ahead. Maybe partially some will do it with something to fall back on, but it, but the people who really make leave a mark, they do go full tilt into what it is they really want to do. And you just wonder sometimes where do you get, where did you get that from? And this all types of people, it's rare to see somebody do it. And I mean, go full head on into something. Most of us have mm-hmm. a, a job we're working and we're doing this on the side, but some people pull up stakes and they go all in and they go big. Now, f- f- facilitating. Yeah. Facilitating Transformational Women's Retreats, and for our listeners, we're getting close to talking about the book publishing, but Facilitating Transformational Women's Retreats, it sounds like such empowering work. Not only are you benefiting, but you're watching other women's lives being transformed. Can you share the inspiration behind the work and what's involved in putting a successful retreat like this together? Well, you know, the first one that I did, it kind of, I was a volunteer for a women's sort of leadership organization in Los Angeles that I was first a member of, and then they kind of, you know, 
pinned me as someone who would be good in leadership training where I could run my, my – I would facilitate my own women's groups like once a week I would run a meeting, but it would be using someone else's agenda for the larger organization that I was a volunteer for. And in the group, like part of the agenda that I was to deliver had talked a lot about vision and the importance of vision, you know, and having a vision for your life. But nowhere in the agenda did they actually give me tools and, you know, processes to do with these women to help them create that vision. It just said, have one. So I was out to lunch with one of the women's, women in my group one day, and we're like, we started talking about this. It's kind of weird that they're not giving us the thing to create the vision but telling us how important it is. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, you know, what if separate from the organizational group that you're running, what if we just invited some of the women to, like, go up to the mountains of Lake Arrowhead, California, you know, two hours outside L.A., what if we just rented a house for the weekend and, like, put together our, our own agenda and just kind of did this? So you'll, you'll hear a common theme here with, you know, I did it once and then I just kept doing it because in 1997, October, Halloween weekend, 1997, there were a group of 10 of us that went up to the mountains and my friend Lori and I kind of had our agenda and we did this work with these women that weekend. I had never really, other than like running the little volunteer group every week, I hadn't gone that deep, but oh my word, it was as if I was born to facilitate these transformational experiences. Um, so we kept doing the Vision Weekend, and then as that, you know, came to completion, I moved east after my daughter was born. Um, I started doing retreats in the form of writer's retreats, um, mostly for women. And the interesting thing is, like, people would come to a writing retreat that was a w, spelled W-R-I-T-I-N-G, and they would all leave feeling like it was a writing retreat spelled R-I-G-H-T-I-N-G. Like it righted them inside of themselves as they were working on their books and getting coached and, you know, moving through the tough spots and having the breakthroughs and the healing and the transformation. Um, it's just amazing. And I just ran my most recent women's only retreat, not a writing retreat, in the Bahamas with a group of 10 women in May. And it was just Incredible. Um, and wow. facilitation was, I think, just one of the gifts that I wasn't necessarily born with, but truly discovered, like, in my late um, 20s into my 30s. I'm like, oh, I love being in a room with a group. Um, and I just and know that all- nothing. Mm-hmm. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, and in all these years, it's like, I I always just have this intuitive knowing that whatever comes my way in the course of the work that I'm doing, like, I've somehow I've got it. Like, I'm never going to not know what to do in those moments where something big is happening for someone. And I just, I love it. I love it. So, you know, it's a beautiful thing that I get to coach authors to write their books, but we do it as a transformational process. It's not just about the words on the paper. It's about who they become. Um, oh. And, yeah, I just I had, a, had 10 clients in town for a retreat not too long ago, and it was just remarkable to witness what happens in those sacred spaces. Oh, wow. Now, now talking about books, I know people write and publish books as, as, as you're working with the author's retreats. 
on the services that you offer for a variety of reasons. Some to earn an income, some think they can make quick, fast money, like with Amazon, KDP. Some write to entertain, educate, inspire, to strengthen their brand. Some business owners write a book to strengthen their brand and introduce people to their brand. Uh, So many reasons that people write. Tell us why Mm -hmm. you wrote Inspiration to Realization. I just really felt like it was time for my voice to be heard. And with that book, you know, being an anthology with 39 other women's voices in it, it was really like the, the collective voices of all of these women speaking to our women readers around, you know, the challenging times you've been through and, you know, what we learned and how we turned our life around or how we, you know, made this important decision and really just how we turned that inspiration into realization. So for me, the, the inspiration for the book was actually really the title of the book. It's like, okay, I've learned enough in my life at this point. It's time for me to share some of it in such a digestible, consumable, you know, easily um, put out there and, and very – um, powerful mechanism of a written word. And that first book was like before the Kindle even existed, you know? Um, so it was just time. And and being able to give voice to other women's voices. Like that was, that was pretty awesome. Now in what specific ways, Christine, can we tune into our own inspiration and trust our soul. You seem like you trust yourself. Some of us don't because we've made mistakes, uh, whether it's with money, relationships, businesses, et cetera, and we just don't trust ourselves anymore. How can we tune into our inspiration and trust our soul? Um, well, you have to understand, I mean, because I have made a million mistakes, right? Like I built a business that wasn't aligned with who I was, from a book that I had written that, like, was the right book for me to be reading, but not the right book for me to have written and, like, be the expert on. And I pulled the plug on everything. And I ended up going through bankruptcy and losing my home. You know, I was, I'm the breadwinner of our family. My husband was a stay-at-home dad. My daughter was five years old at the time, you know, approaching six when we were going through all of this. So it's not that... Um, it's not that I haven't made mistakes and it's not that I haven't had reason to not um, trust myself because, you know, losing everything when you've got a young family and you're it in terms of income generation, that's, that's a, you know, that's a biggie for not trusting on yourself. But there's, there's, I think what we need to consider is what happened after the mistake or after the setback? Like, did we just crawl under a rock? And chances are, if you're here listening to this right now, you didn't just throw in the towel and crawl under a rock and, like, not get up and do something again. So I think the more, like, they say that, you know, courage really comes from doing something that you say you're going to do and doing it. And if the something that you intended to do didn't work out, like in my case, losing everything, 
um, you know, if you're building the wrong business and realizing I can't, I can't do this, like this is going to probably literally, if not figuratively, if I continued, like, then it's like, okay, this didn't work. What else, what else am I going to do? And then I decided on something else that I was going to do, and I did that. And that helped me sort of build the confidence. So it's not a matter of playing safe and, like, always having to, you know, follow the inspiration. It, I think it's a matter of understanding that things are not going to work sometimes. That's life. Um, but what you do in those moments to do something else, to get back up, to not stay down on the ground and under that rock, because there was a time where I really thought I was not going to be able to get out from under the rock that I was under. Um, I think the more we do that, the more we build the muscle. And the more we build the muscle of trusting ourselves by doing the next thing um, and continuing to go, like, then we know that we actually be, be, grow a muscle of being unstoppable in the pursuit of our dreams and following these inspirations. But it's not a direct path. At least for me, it wasn't a direct path by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, when you read your, when you, like, researching for this interview, you can see, but you, there is this element of trust in you that some people don't have. And I'm thinking about a guy who was an engineer, if I'm remembering correctly, in Princeton, and he was so brilliant. And he lost his job, and he lost all hope. And people in the area would would tell him, you know, if you want to stay in the winter in my garage, I'll leave my garage door open, et cetera. But he became homeless. Mm. And it's sad that he... Some people, you know, some of us, especially if anybody's on a brink listening to this show, they find inspiration, especially as they go back to your website and, and learn more about you and what you've come come through. Some of us, uh, a, a blow, we're done. And it's, it is hard to trust and get back up again. So I, I really, uh, your life is like an inspiration, I'm sure, to many people that you can get back up. And, and you don't have to stay down. But some people, it's hard to find that strength to get back up. Can you give us an overview of the nine steps involved in creating our own dream life so we don't end up living our parents' life or what somebody else wants us to do? What's that? the nine steps involved in creating our dream life? Well, the first and most important thing is to make sure that you're really spending time in, well, for me, it's quiet time, right? Like I need to spend time just with myself um, because if I'm just going out in the world doing blah, 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 you know, paying attention to everything out there and never getting quiet um, inside of myself, like there's no way that you could even know what you're following because you don't even know what it is because there's so much noise all around you. So number one is you've got to be willing to spend some time in quiet. Um, and for some people, that looks like prayer. For some people, that looks like meditation. For some people, that looks like, you know, a walk outside or sticking your toes in the sand on the beach or, you know, looking at the flowers. Like whatever it is that connects you to you, um, that's, that's that, I think, has to absolutely be the place that everything starts, is staying in that quiet. And then inside of that quiet, rather than, like, 
thinking some light bulb going to, you know, or lightning bolt is going to just come crashing down. And in this moment, like you're going to have crystal clarity, that might happen. But the second step to creating the dream life after you're being quiet is to in that quiet place, in that centered place inside of you, even if it's like you walking around the park or down the street or what have you, in that place you want to be willing to get curious. So curiosity is step number two. And in the curiosity, what you want to get curious about is, like, show me, right? There's an element of faith here, whether you are, you know, a devout Christian, whether you're more agnostic, whether, you know, you believe that nature is, you know, the source of life itself, whatever your faith is in that thing that's greater than you, when you can really get quiet and ask into that space, like the thing that makes the flowers bloom after they've been under the ground all winter, right? When you ask in curiosity to that presence of energy that is inside of you and out there, like show me, help me see. You know, you're, you're not feeling like you have to figure this whole dang thing out for yourself. You're, you're allowing yourself to open, to be shown, and then the third step is you got to be willing to, like, receive the, whatever the message, the inspiration is, because oftentimes it comes. And we either poo-poo it, like, oh, that can't be it, or it comes too easily, <laughs> right? There's a lot of us who are like, well, that, that would be too easy, so that must not be it. Um, so you have to be willing to receive what comes when you're in the inquiry of like, you know, help me see, will you show me what is, what is it that I'm supposed to do next? Where am I supposed to put my foot, you know, on this earth? In what direction? You've got to be willing to listen and receive. And, and like step four, really, in the listening, this is sort of where the trust comes, but not so much in trusting, like, your own self, but trusting the divine wisdom, if you will, that comes through, trusting that message that comes through. And I have a great example, if we can pause after this fourth step of trust, um, if we have time. Um, can I share this, the example? Sure, sure. Okay, all right. So um, when I was going through the bankruptcy and the foreclosure, I shut down the business. I basically had nothing um, except for a husband who was a stay-at-home dad and a, six, a five-year-old daughter now at this time. No, she, she was actually, she just turned six, um, that I had to take care of and provide for. And I spent a couple hours every morning in this process, like just getting quiet, you know, getting curious. Sometimes my curiosity at that stage is like, you know, bargaining with, you know, the God of my understanding, like, I know you wouldn't take me this far to just leave me here a failure. Like, you better show me. Like, that's what it looked like sometimes with my curiosity. <laughs> um, but I was spending a lot of time in silence. And I got to tell you, this one morning, I get this insight that I'm supposed to create this online virtual summit, which I, had, I knew the summit model. I had done it before in previous iterations of my business. But this one was supposed to be the transformational author experience. And I had gotten that name for something a year prior, and I brought it to some colleagues who were very successful in their business. I'm like, what do you guys think of this name? 
um, this idea came to me. And across the board, except for one of them, like 19 said it sucked. Excuse my language. <laughs> one of them said it was good. But the 19 were like, why would anybody buy that? Like, that's the worst thing. You should call it, you know, successful author secrets. So I did a summit that year called Successful Author Secrets. It, you know, wasn't quite enough to take me out of the situation I was in with the, with the um, existing business. But when I'm losing everything and I have to, like, have a sure thing, what the universe presented was to do the transformational author experience. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. You want me to do the one thing that all of my colleagues last year would bomb? Like, come on. <laughs> but I trusted. I paid attention to step number four, and I trusted. And I step fived it, which was saying yes. Like, I trusted what I heard, and I made a yes, like an internal commitment that I don't care that everybody thinks that this is ridiculous. When the message came from the universe as I was really, like, allowing that step four to come through, I just felt this like, yeah, you know, that's about the only thing I feel like I can do and be in integrity with the fact that I am like a financial disaster right now. Like, I couldn't teach anyone about anything about business, but I could bridge the gap between what I knew from the transformational work I've been doing since 97 and the author work I've been doing, you know, with my husband since 2002. I just married those two things and thought, you know what? I can be aligned. I can do this, um, even while I'm losing everything. So it was a huge, you know, trusting that and then a big, huge yes. Um, we need to be willing to say the yes because until we say the yes and we make that sort of internal commitment, it doesn't happen. Uh, and then step number, yeah. Did you want to say anything before I go on? No, no, no. This is very interesting. Okay. And I've heard other people say that you have to be willing to receive it or you'll say it, this doesn't work. you got to do all of the process. Yes, absolutely. And, like, when you're in that state like that, okay, I'm going to trust, I'm going to say yes, it can feel, um, I guess the only way to describe it is it can feel very airy. Like, it can feel like, woohoo, okay, yes, I'm going to do this sort of like not grounded. So step six then is to ground it in because if you are really going to pursue, you know, your version of your dream life, it can't just happen like in the airy, feel good, like I'm going to sit and meditate forever and like a bag of money is going to drop on my head and all the things are going to happen. Like that's never going, well, I, don't know, maybe I shouldn't say never, don't like saying never, never say never. So maybe a bag of money will drop on your head, but chances are you're going to have to take that message you received, right? Trust it. Give it the yes and the commitment, and then kind of bring it down to the ground. Like, let it come into your body. Literally, you might even want to go outside and take up your shoes and stand on the earth and, like, take this energy of this yes and this commitment and, put, like, ground it in your being, um, at that particular time in my life when I was like, okay, yes, I'm going to do this transformational author experience, I spent a lot of time, like, outside, around a fire, you know, at night, just, like, really sitting in, like, the elemental presence of, like, okay, I'm really going to do this. 
Um, you know, grounding looks like different things for different people, but it can't just stay up in the air. And once you feel yourself like owning, like this is, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to pursue. And it doesn't feel airy and out there, but it feels like more solid on the ground, right? Then you really got to look at what are the action steps you're going to take. You know, what are you actually going to do? Um, that is your step lucky number seven because that's really where the rubber hits the road. Um, so you really got to get honest with yourself. And if it's, you know, if it's writing a book and you're finally saying, okay, yes, and then you're grounding that, that yes, you're feeling that deeper commitment, like, okay, so what days and what hours am I going to set aside to make sure that I'm writing? How am I going to make sure that I honor that commitment? Am I going to maybe get an accountability partner to make sure that I am writing, you know, on Monday from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. like I said I was going to? Like, what are the things you're going to do? Like, for me, you know, once I kind of grounded, okay, I'm going to do this summit, like, I had to then go make all these invitations for interviews and put together, you know, the arc of the content that I wanted to cover, figure out how many interviews was I going to do, over how many days was it going to go, um, you know, anyone, I, I knew my business strategy was anyone could come for free. And if people wanted the recordings for lifetime access, they could like buy the recordings. So how much were they going to pay? Were they going to be just one tier or multiple tiers? Like the nitty gritty. So you have to actually really drill it down to those action steps um, and sort of put together what your plan is. And I love that this step is like, you know, number seven, because number seven is a lucky number. And this, this is where you truly start um, making the dream a reality by doing the action steps. Um, and step number eight is having persistence and consistency. Because there's a whole lot of people out there that are really good at starting. Mm. And it kind of stops at the start and something maybe happens that doesn't go as planned, or maybe it gets more difficult than they thought it would be, and it's like, you know, yeah, okay, they've got the action steps and the plan, and maybe they did the first few, but you need step number eight of the persistence and the consistency. Life's going to happen. Stuff's going to happen. You know, the whatever. Like, you can't just think that because I'm going through these steps, you know, that Christine said, the nine steps, you know, sort of creating the dream life and doing, you know, living the inspiration. Um, it, it's like life happens. So yeah. don't delude yourself that life isn't going to happen because people do that. They delude themselves that life isn't going to happen. And once they make the decision, this is going to be like the parting of the seas and, you know, it's just going to be easy street. That might happen, but it also might not happen. And after having worked with, I mean, literally I've trained tens of thousands of authors. I've personally worked with a couple thousand of them, published several hundred of them. Life usually happens. So be prepared for it and honor this eighth step of persistence and consistency um, because without it, you're just going to be really good at starting. And we want you to be really good at finishing, you know, moving in this direction of your dream life. So okay. um, step, mm-hmm. go ahead. Sounds no, like no, 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 I'm listening to you. I'm listening to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so finally, like step number nine, because if you just 
continue being persistent and having the consistency and going forward, you will meet with success. And before you meet with the big, huge success, whether it is having your book get published and, you know, become a New York Times bestseller or an Amazon bestseller or, you know, be speaking here on Off the Shelf as, you know, a published author, like whatever your big thing is, on the way to that success, through the consistency and the persistence, right, of just pursuing the plan and doing the work and not stopping when things get hard, you're going to have a million smaller successes along the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And step, step nine is to really celebrate and honor those successes along the way because success breeds success. Right, feeling good, feeling like, oh my gosh, like I had the courage to do that, and then I did it. Like that's where the confidence gets boosted. That's where the trust in yourself gets boosted. But not if you just have all these little mini successes along the way and don't pause to acknowledge that you did that. Like I did that because you you could end up with a big goal and not have exercised. You know, the muscle builds the confidence and self-trust that we were talking about earlier. Um, so celebrate along the way. It could just be like you light a candle for yourself at dinner that night and you take a moment to, like, you know, tell yourself, like, man, I kicked butt today. Like, I wrote those words or I made that phone call or I sent that email. Um, and just honor yourself and celebrate. And if you just keep doing this, you know, loop these nine steps over and over and over again like you will you will create it like the only way that you won't create it is if you get discouraged and stop mm. um, and however long however long it takes <laughs> i'm thinking about vincent van gogh he didn't make i don't think a hundred dollars off his paintings while he was in his body but once he left his earth I mean, you can't get a Van Gogh painting, I don't think, for less than 400000 His family, he set them up. <laughs> it's like yeah. it will yeah. happen, whether it's – it was his sister-in-law who started really pushing his work when he passed, but it, it, you have to do the work, and you have to keep believing and do the work. And I'm telling you, whether it happens while you're here or after you're here, it'll be like, wow. Now, I have to ask you, talk about doing yeah. something big. With, with just 10 minutes left in the day show, but how did you get 10,000 authors to register or attend your first transformational author experience? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Part of it was inspiration, honestly, because, like, I had to figure out how to get enough people to the, this event that enough would buy it, you know, buy the recordings that I would earn enough money to get my family into a house instead of going to live in, like, my parents' spare bedroom. Um, so some of it was desperation, but a lot of it was just willingness to ask. Like, I asked everyone that I knew, and I had been in business for a while at that point. I had built some relationships, and I was pretty good at nurturing and fostering relationships over the years. So I went to people that I knew, even if I hadn't talked to them in a couple of years. I was like, hey, you know, I'm doing this thing. Would you be willing to share it with your community? And almost everyone said, sure, Christine, because at some point they had an experience with me where I did something to help them. And I made it worth their while because a lot of the bigger people, like with the bigger lists and bigger, you know, reach in the community, 
I invited them to be my speakers for the transformational author experience that I would interview. So it's like, hey, you know, would you be willing to share this? And I'd be happy to have you be one of my guests so your audience can sort of see you in this place of authority and, you know, a part of this thing that I'm doing. And, I mean, it was a godsend because most of the people that I asked said yes. And they had fairly established businesses and subscriber lists. And I just kept asking, 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 asking um, without letting the fear of rejection or people thinking, gosh, I haven't heard from you for two years, and now you're reaching out, you want something from me? Like, I just had to set all of that aside because I needed as many people as I could get. So it was through relationships and through being willing to ask, ask, ask. you going back to your husband stepping up through the plate when I asked how yeah. did he get those in, and he just went out there. And you know what? Somebody told me years ago, they said, you're not going to get what you want unless you start asking, and you can't be afraid to uh, to ask, to go out there and ask, and sometimes you have to learn how to ask, how to present the request, but that is so key. I don't know anybody maybe who's become successful who has not asked for something, and, it, and maybe even continuing to because none of us, success does not happen in an island. I just don't think it does. Now, you offer individual and group online classes to help people write their books. What's the difference Christine, in the two courses that you offer, and how can they benefit new as well as seasoned writers? Well, you know, it's interesting. There's one course. It's the course that I created in 2007 called Get Your Book Done, which, as you mentioned earlier, you can learn more about at getyourbookdone.com um, under our programs. But here's the thing. Way back when, when I had um, – help people do all these anthologies, like write a chapter, be in the book. They started asking me, like, will you, you got to help me write my own book. Like I never even thought I could write a chapter, but it was so awesome. You made it so much fun and easy. And now I have the confidence that I can do it. So, you know, like, will you help me write my own? And I said, no, for two years. Cause I didn't, I hadn't written my own and I'm not the kind of person who's going to have someone do something that I haven't done myself. Right? I wrote a chapter. I know that. Um, but now people were asking me to help them write their own book, and I was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And in a moment of divine intervention, I had two, co- two clients who had been in my anthologies come to me separately, but simultaneously when we were in person at an event in Los Angeles. And they were like, Christine, will you please, like you're the only person, I know you're the person to help me. In that moment I said, okay, yes. And I enrolled them into a program before I had even created it, and I thought, I'm going to figure out how to do this, and I'm going to do it first before every session and class I have with them. I'm going to figure out what to do, and then they're going to teach it. And I did that, and that was the, that was the first iteration of the Get Your Book Done program back in 2007. And now, like, I've up-leveled the teaching. It's now video instead of audio. And now we just offer it in three different formats. You know, if people are really self-motivated do-it-yourselfers and just need a, like, process to follow – That's our online program. And we've had hundreds of people who just go get the online program, get get lifetime access to it. They follow in the footsteps of the program. And we actually have a free trial of the program that I'd be happy to share if you're interested in sharing that with your community. Um, But they follow the program and they, they get their books written. And they have an understanding of how to publish. And, like, that works really well for some people. Other people are more along the lines of, you know, I want to follow the 
program, but I'm a question person. Like I want to be able to ask questions. I want to be able to, you know, get the input that I need and make sure that I'm on track and have someone tell me if they think my title is good or what, ha- you know, just keep me moving in the direction. So we have a level of the program that just layers on group coaching every single week for six weeks, for, for six months. So they, I, I actually now I'm not coaching that. I have two amazing, amazing coaches, Coach Ellen and Coach Penny, who rotate, you know, every other week. They are coaching the authors in that program, answering questions, helping them through the mindset issues, you know, giving, helping them get clarity so that they have that level of support. Um, so that's the Get Your Book Done group coaching program. And we actually have a third level where, like, the people who were just on retreat this last week with me um, and my team, that level program is called the Get Your Book Done Accelerator. And that is where myself and my team spend an entire year not only supporting people to write the book through working with a developmental editor who's going to coach them twice monthly for six months, like through the writing process. Our editors are amazing. Um, And we have a a segment of our editors that are also incredible, incredible coaches um, to help people really through the development of the manuscript. So we do that for them. And then when that's done, then they segue into our publishing um, side of things, and we actually help them publish and, you know, give them support with marketing and Amazon optimization. Like, we just, every possible thing that an author could need, and then some, um, is at that, that higher level of the Get Your Book Done Accelerator program. We're, you know, we only work with like 12 people at a time in that program because it's, um, it's robust, you know, it's robust. Um, but it's can you tell, and yeah. you know what? And I, I have another friend. She's doing she's doing that now. And she is a writer herself and has published. But can you share one? Because we we're coming down to the wire, and I don't even know if we have time to do this. But I wanted to hear just one Let's in just like thirty seconds. One success story where somebody told you, "I've been thinking about writing a book for twenty years," and they put it off until they came to work with you. Can you share one success story from your program? Oh, my gosh. There's so many success stories. Which one are you going to pick? Okay, I'm going to pick Beth. Beth had wanted to write a book for years. She is a corporate trainer in the area of um, resiliency for, like, burnt-out doctors, nurses, healthcare workers, and she's amazing. And she would always go speak at these events and, like, everyone else has a book but me. And she really wanted to be speaking on international platforms and, like, just up-leveling the whole level of her business. She came to us. She wrote her book called Career Recharge. Before the book was even published, she was being flown to Madrid, Spain, to speak at a high-level conference just because she kept saying, coming soon, my book is coming out this summer, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my goodness. They reached out to her. She got on the stage before the book was even done um, because of the clarity she got, the confidence she got, and she was saying, like, forthcoming author of Career Recharge. Um, So that's one of the most, most, like it, it, like my dream happened even before the book was oh, done, wow. and then just more opportunity after the book has been done. Um, yeah, wow, so that is like inc- I said. We oh shot. my goodness! Yeah, yeah. It's like some people write books to help their business. It helps introduce their brand to a lot of. I mean, it's just there's a lot more you can get from writing a book other than the money from the actual book sales. There's just so many different things you can do. I, I please yeah. tell us what people can get copies of your books and learn more about your author's program. 
Well, um, you can go to Amazon and certainly look up there. Turning Point Moments is my most recent anthology. That book just came out in, in um, June. So go to Amazon and look up Turning Point Moments, or you can just go to turningpointmoments.com. And I'm going to encourage you all to kind of check out the program with the free trial that we offer. And you can go to freebookwritinghelp.com. should be pretty easy to remember, freebookwritinghelp.com. And when you do that, you'll have a full week to go through the first module of the program, which is like five lessons in total. You get videos from me. You get downloadable action guides. And you'll walk through the most critical first steps um, to write your transformational book. Um, so that's where I would really suggest you go to you know, kind of get a sense for um, what the program offers and how we do what we do. Because it's, it's, uh, it's not your typical book writing program. It is a transformational process. Um, that you go through in writing the book. So, yeah, freebookwritinghelp.com. Okay, and, and her other, Christine, close her other website is getyourbookdone.com, spelled just the yeah. way it sounds, D-E-T-Y-O-U-R-B-O-O-K-D-O-N-E.com, getyourbookdone.com. What a what a blessing. We had a, a, a just, a, she just shared so much, especially those nine steps, you guys. Those nine steps she shared, if you came in and you're like, oh, wow, I missed those nine steps, once the show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it. It's archived. You can share it with other people. And I encourage you again to visit Christine at GetYourBookDone.com. And did you learn more about her and her own story. She had an amazing story when I was researching for today's show. So I want to thank Christine encourage you to get copies of her books. And then she said you can, you can try her author program for free to, to see how it works and see if it's a fit, fit for you. So thank you, Christine, for being here with us and all you shared, including those nine steps today. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. And for the work that you do for authors and your transformational work with women to empower people. And to our listeners, as I always tell you, thank you. When a show finishes streaming, you can go back and listen to it in its archives again. And please share today's show. Remember, you're incredible. You are awesome. You're phenomenal. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Christine, I'll shoot you an email when the show finishes streaming. Thank you so much. Bye for now. My pleasure. My pleasure. Bye-bye.